Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, El Conservador, Richie B, Mr. Call Screener. And uh, the other day I told some people that I am an OG, and that's right, originally Goldito, and I still am. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunday edition that's actually happening on Monday because this Afghanistan thing has been unending. And I've been trying to bring you the latest and nobody knows where Joe Biden is, right? Afghanistan's been taken over by the Taliban. Haiti's been hit by a tragedy of an earthquake. And Joe Biden, well, maybe he's in Camp David. They say he's in Camp David. He's coming back to the White House. I think he's supposed to speak in a little bit, probably while I'm with you guys. So I'll probably stop at some point and cut in so you can hear what Biden is saying. And uh, I'm guessing that he's saying that, you know, they immediately addressed it and that they're getting people out of there and blah, blah, blah. And he's going to blame Trump. And I, I wouldn't put anything past him. But we'll get to that in a minute. What I want to talk about right now is this something that irks me. It's irksome, if you will. Americans are fed up. And I get that. I'm fed up too. And I, and we all have different limits of being fed up. So we're not all at the same level. And trust me, I speak to a lot of people. I'm not saying you don't speak to a lot of people, but some of the people I talk to, they're, they're ready for like World War 15. And, uh, and obviously that's not healthy for anybody. But America, our country is being ideologically torched to the ground. And some people think that their only responsibility is to call the fire department. No, (laughs) no, sadly, that's not it. I'll say this, be the best neighbor and hero that you can be in a situation like that. Bust down the door and save the viejita, the old lady next door. Rescue the little girl that's trapped in her bedroom window near the fire escape. Damn it, shoot your fire extinguisher or get your garden hose if you have to. Be brave and make a sacrifice. And I'm not saying that you're not. I'm not trying to um, preach to the choir here. I'm just sharing a thought. Because sometimes it, it is the choir that, that feels like, well, I write my congressman. I pay my taxes. And, you know, I'm, I get it. You're frustrated. And in times of peace, that's fine. And saying that, you know, 15 generations of your family have served for this and for that, that's fine too. But we're here today and we have a problem now. And it's an ideological one. It's a battle for hearts and minds. So you can have all the ammo in the world and all the firepower in the world. And they've done this without firing a single shot. And, and what I mean by all of this is be brave and, and make a sacrifice is if we're afraid to lose our jobs, because that's really where everybody's at. If we're afraid to lose our jobs, we're going to lose our country because we'll always play it too safe. And we lose. There's no in-between. I've said this before. I'll repeat it. 
Radicals like AOC have forgone having children because they're so committed to their cause. Imagine that. Not engaging in the most precious thing that we have or could ever have is a family, children of our very own. She's willing to say, no thanks. Not, oh, I'll have one and abort it or I'll have one and let the system raise it. No, she's saying, no, I'm not even going to have kids because I'm committed to climate change. I'm committed to the radicalization of America. That's how committed one human being is and look at the impact that she's making. She's inspired tens of millions of people to risk poverty. They're willing to live off of a universal basic income. They don't even want to work because they're committed, like Levin says, right? They're down for the revolution. They're committed to her cause. And lately, all I hear is, I'm just a regular person. What can I do? I have to work. I have to feed my kids. Bro, ma'am, sir, lady, everybody's a regular person that has to do that. It's time we get off of that. Who do you think wins in a scenario like that? The person that's willing to not even have a family to get what they want politically? Or the person that's saying, well, I have to work to feed my kid and uh, I'm not going to get into this political fight. I might lose my job. I got a union job. I don't know. Uh, I got a mortgage. Who wins? That's my point. In times of peace, maybe you can get away with saying, look, I'm going to call my legislator. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to post something on social media. But this is an ideological war. And like I said, not a single shot's been fired. It's not about violence. This is about action, about being smart. It's a battle for the hearts and minds of we the people. Why do you think radicals on any side, whether it's one cult or the Taliban or whoever, why do you think they have 15 kids? Because they need people. And instead of recruiting people, they just create people and they bring them into their cause. We've seen this in religious sects. We've seen this in... Uh, different types of cults. We've seen this in re- huge um, terrorist movements. They do this. These, um, what are they called? Cells, terror cells. Somehow, we think we're just going to do it by, uh, you know, tweeting. Listen, guilty as charged. I-, I-, I like tweeting every now and again. Probably not as much as I should. Sometimes people are like, dude, where are you? I never even see you on Twitter. You're right. I should probably be tweeting more often and I don't. My apologies. But my point is, and that's at Rich Valdez on Twitter, by the way. When America's being taken over, you got to do what you got to do. That means different things to different people. For some people, it means taking a job where they'll make less money so they can have more of an impact on more people. For some people, that means turning down a sweet government job with union benefits. It might mean going with an employer um, that won't give you health benefits and health insurance for you or for your family just so that you can have a little bit more freedom to do your activism work. That could be the case for some people. It might mean every time you have to go to a political dinner or an activism function or whatever it is you want to do after work, regular evening work hours or off hours, that if you work at night or you work in the day or whatever, you have to take a day off to do this stuff, that you lose a day's pay and you don't get paid for it. Some people have to make that sacrifice in order to make this change. I know, I'm the bad guy today. Nobody's going to want to hear this about taking unpaid days off to participate in political events, to rally up the troops. But you know what? Somebody's got to do it. And like, what was it, Reagan who quoted, I forget who, saying, you know, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on that. But anyway, for Trump, it was walking away from his deluxe apartment in the sky. Ah, ah. That's a Jefferson's reference, if you don't know the song. (laughs) That golden skyscraper on Fifth Avenue. He walked away from that. Taking his supermodel wife, his 10-year-old son, moving them into the swamp so they could 
all be berated, threatened, attacked by bogus legal cases, not to mention losing $600 million in the process, while donating his annual salary and over $100,000 in revenue from his Washington, D.C. hotel that they gave to the Treasury just to avoid any impropriety when heads of state and blah, blah, blah would stay there. Even though it's probably the by a mile, the nicest hotel in town. Sacrifice comes in many forms. So I know it's easy to say, oh, Trump can make the sacrifice, you know, to go from being a billionaire to being a little less of a billionaire. I get it. That's easy to say. And it's easy for you to complain about how difficult it would be for you to lose your job with your benefits and this and that, or to sell your house and move into an apartment. Oh, God forbid. Or sell your house and move to a blue state to start fighting this fight. I know. I'm very radical today. Because you know what? I've seen this stuff. In 2014, 2015, I worked with Project Veritas. I saw people from all over the country that said, I need to make a change. And they would go undercover and infiltrate these organizations that, uh, you know, the, the crazy liberal left was doing what they did, whether they were campaigns or this or that. And they would put themselves out there and they would fly across the country and, you know, stay in a budget motel to, to get this done. And it really does inspire one to say, you know what, you're not really losing that much, you're gaining so much. People have done this for the military. People tell me all the time, look, I'm rich, I'm willing to die for this country. And I'm, I'm just saying, are you willing to take a little bit of a pay cut for the country? You know, are you willing to turn your back? Are you willing to take your kid out of school? Maybe quit your job just so that you don't put your kid in the government school. So that you could pull your hair out, go nuts, and teach your kids at home. Right? I'm, I'm strongly considering it. My, I have one teenager left with two years left of high school. And I don't want to do it with her because I think it's bad for her, socio-emotional, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think her school's that crazy and bad. And that's why we live there in the first place. But I'll tell you this. If it happens, I'm ready to do it. Now, will my ex-wife, her mom be involved? That's what I'm saying. Everybody has limitations. I know everybody can't do it. I get that. But if anybody who's listening to me can do it, please do. Anyway, speaking about Trump, because we were talking about sacrifice, and that's really what this is about, Trump and Biden and the Taliban and all that stuff. Trump called on Biden to resign in disgrace. He put out one of his presidential tweets, and he said that Biden needs to dis... uh, excuse me, (laughs) resign, I was going to say design, resign in disgrace. And to me, it's it's classic Trump. Now, of course, there's people that uh, will take to the airwaves like Secretary Blinken and others from the State Department that are out there saying that, oh, no, 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 Biden, he made the right call, like Secretary Blinken when he was on with Jake Tapper on CNN. Sunday. Check this out. You cited the, the May 1st deadline uh, negotiated uh, by the Trump administration. You did blow back, blow through that deadline. We did have troops uh, there a- after uh, May 1st. Um, but th- I think, again, the issue here is not just the withdrawal of U.S. forces. It's how they were withdrawn. Uh, the the rapidity, the, the hastiness. Um, President Obama's former ambassador to Afghanistan, Ryan Crocker, He called the way this was done, quote, a handover to the Taliban and, quote, we have hung them out to dry about the Afghan people. People. Crocker continued, quote, I'm left with some grave questions in my mind about Biden's ability to lead our nation as commander in chief to have read this so wrong or even worse, to have understood what was likely to happen and not care, unquote. Does President Biden not bear the blame for this disastrous exit from Afghanistan? Uh, Jake, we've seen two things. First, uh, we've known all along, uh, we've said all along, including the president, that the Taliban was at its greatest position of strength 
at any time since 2001 when it was last in charge of the country. That is the Taliban uh, that we inherited. Uh, and so we saw that they were very much capable of going on the offensive uh, and uh, beginning to take uh, back the country. But at the same time, we had invested over four administrations, billions of dollars, uh, along with the international community, in the Afghan security and, and defense forces, uh, building a modern military uh, with the most sophisticated equipment, 300,000 forces strong, with an air force that the Taliban didn't have. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, uh, we've seen that that force has been unable to defend the country. And that has happened more quickly than we anticipated. Now, if you're just catching up on this, and again, I don't think anybody on the planet is just catching up on this. The video has been out all over social media. And if you don't use social media, God bless you. You're probably a lot healthier mentally than most people. If uh, you haven't seen these videos on the news, I don't watch the news. Great. If you haven't seen even better, you probably smile a lot more than most people. People were running out of Afghanistan to get away from these goat herding terrorists with missile launchers on their shoulders. The Taliban. They've taken over. They had their feet kicked up on the president's desk because Joe Biden decided to pull a troop withdrawal, one that Trump was in, uh, in support of. And Trump said, first, we get the equipment out and then we gradually bring down these troops. Biden pulls them all out, leaves the equipment, lets the Taliban take over the equipment. They take over everything, including their version of the White House. People are running after planes. They take over the airport. Biden has to, over the weekend, he's hiding in uh, Camp David, doesn't say a word. He sends 3,000 troops to take over the airport again just so they can get the diplomats, our own Americans, out of our embassy before giving it away to these people. And somehow he thinks he's some sort of hero. This is probably one of the biggest disasters we've ever seen in foreign policy and military action ever. People could say what they want about Trump. I, I say things all the time. Oh, I'm so angry I could kill that person. I've never killed a person in my life. So if you're going to say, oh, but that guy killed somebody. You never said you killed somebody? Sure, I may have said it a million times, but I've never done it. And if Trump might have said, oh, let's get out of here and let's get out of here and whatever it was, and they weren't the same scenario. But he did it and look what happened. Because of his perceived weakness which has now become an actualized weakness. Our country is viewed as weak. They spit in our face. They put their finger in our eye. They're pushing us around. Anyway, I want to go to Biden, who's speaking right now. Listen to this. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1, 2021, just a little over three months after I took office. U.S. forces had already drawn down during the Trump administration from roughly 15,500 American forces to 2,500 troops in country. And the Taliban was at its strongest militarily since 2001. The choice I had to make as your president was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. There would have been no ceasefire after May 1. There was no agreement protecting our forces after May 1. There was no status quo of stability without American casualties after May 1. There was only a cold reality of either following through on the agreement to withdraw our forces or escalating the conflict and sending thousands more American troops back into combat in Afghanistan, lurching into the third decade of conflict. 
Now, I don't know if President Joe El Baboso Biden is being uh, genuine or disingenuous or not. But I am not going to minimize the uh, sacrifice and the service that his son Bo paid to the country by uh, you know, denigrating that service. I salute him. I salute his service. God bless his memory. When he pulls this um, Donald Trump America first line, let's not fight other people's wars. That's terrific. The problem is, A, from a, just a practical stance, you know, we had a big war, World War II, you know, in Germany. And yeah, we still have a bunch of bases there. We had this other big war. Oh, yeah, we have bases in Germany. Uh, we, so, um, um, excuse me, in Japan. My point is, Clearly, a long-term strategy here would have been to create and build an alliance, have a base there, maintain a forever presence with a small amount of troops. And that is not a 20-year war, right? And I think uh, we, we've heard every colonel and general in, in the country attest to the fact that these combat operations in Afghanistan stopped in like 2007 and we haven't had massive casualties since then, right? So it's pretty much been, some people like to call it nation building, whatever it is you want to call it. And again, I'm not saying I support all of that, although I probably do. I think if you're going to go in there and destroy stuff and take people out and, you know, play the world cop, then you got to finish the job and maintain it perpetually. And that means, yeah, base there, constant troops there, a thousand troops, whatever it takes, you know, uh, to to keep that minimal presence, not the 3,000 that he just sent. And my point being, this is um, why there's criticism. He didn't just say, look, we're going to bring out the equipment. It's going to be a phased withdrawal. We're not going to announce this and that. Again, if you want to leave Afghanistan, you leave Afghanistan. Does that literally mean taking every last human out of there? Are we taking the embassy too? And this is my point. You want to be safe. You want to have some sort of presence if you want to be there. If you don't want to be there, get out. And that's what he did. He got out. That's fine. So now it's a, it's a bloodbath, right? People, uh, horrifying video. People are running to try and hold on to airplanes to get out of this country because it's horrible. He's letting everybody else into the country. Now, am I saying I'm a bleeding heart liberal and let them all come to the southern border? No, they'll make their way. Trust me. They know it's a door wide open. I'm not faulting Biden for the premise of pulling out. I'm faulting Biden for doing it so damn fast. It was like taking a chainsaw to, you know, shave your beard. It's not what he had to do. He needed to do this incrementally and do it right. And now he's trying to say, you know, this is personal for me, personal for the families. This is no no laughing matter. We're not going to fight the foreign uh, civil wars in foreign countries. We're not going to make the same mistakes twice. All right, no problem. Do the phased withdrawal. Put the political stuff in place, the diplomatic stuff in place to make sure that they don't take over over the weekend from, you know, five minutes after you say, let's let's pull the guys out. And then to find out, now all the generals are saying, now listen, I get it. Sometimes uh, presidents don't want to listen to their generals. I uh, I totally get that. Tr- Trump didn't always want to take the advice. I don't think we've ever seen Trump do anything like this. Oh, right, because Trump was the president that started no wars, zero wars, and strengthened the military at the same time. But... Politico says Biden has a chip on his shoulder, didn't listen to the generals. 
just read you a little bit of this because it's just uh, from today, Monday, the 16th of August from noon. President Joe Biden refused to be swayed by his top generals to keep 3,000 troops in Afghanistan, instead ordering their swift removal, a stubbornness that paved the way for havoc in the country. This is according to Politico. The move ultimately led to Taliban forces taking Kabul and declaring war over Afghan President Ashraf Ghani, and he fled the country on Sunday night to avoid more bloodshed. Think of how bad that's got to be. you got to get the hell out of your own country. The Taliban have won with the judgment of their swords and guns and are now responsible for the honor, property, and self-preservation of their countrymen, said Ghani. He left his people. Coward, I say. But... Some will argue this was all a deal. They said, look, Biden, turn your back for a few minutes. Let us take this thing over. Take all your equipment. Let's get those 147 Blackhawks or whatever it was that we left behind over there so that these guys can have all of our, you know, nice little American artillery so they can do their own Taliban craziness. Anyway, the rapid takeover shocked the world and led to many questions on how a collapse like this could happen so quickly after two decades of stability and attempts to transform the country into a stable democratic ally, which again, for the last number of years, it sort of was. Biden, known for the chip on his shoulder and lifelong desire to prove doubters wrong, had long been skeptical of America's involvement in Afghanistan. I think most people are. The question is, do we pull the Band-Aid off fast? Do we pull it off slow? Make sure you don't rip a scab off and the thing starts bleeding again, causing more scarring, that type of thing. This is, you know, was it time to pull the Band-Aid off? That's really the question. Or was it too soon? This is the same president who ran for the White House more times than anyone who ended up making it there. Okay. Anyway, here's a quote. It says, we cannot continue the cycle of extending or expanding our military presence in Afghanistan, hoping to create ideal conditions for withdrawal and expecting different results, Biden said in late July when he declared it was time to end the forever war in Afghanistan. He also said, and again, this whole thing of forever war, where was the freaking war? General uh, Jack Keane was on with Levin on Friday night. He said there was no war, that this was very common. I mean, nobody looks at the, the bases and the presence that the United States has in uh, Germany and says that this is a uh, 80 or 90, 100 year war or the, the bases in Japan. I mean, th to me, this, this whole thing of 20 year war, it's not 20 year war. I mean, most of the people I know that have served in the military as of recently and have been to Afghanistan were not in war. I mean, it may be a declared operation of whatever, but they, they, there was no war going on. But anyway, we'll bring some military people on to clarify that because I'm not a military guy and I don't want to pretend to be one, just like I'm not a coronavirus expert and I don't want to pretend to be one of those. I am a radio guy and I do want to talk about a few more things and we've got a whole bunch of stuff on our list, but I'm going to take a quick break right here. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. More to come straight ahead. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. 
your liberty-loving Latino amigo. I did that already, right? Yeah, anyway, so we just finished listening to that Joe Biden clip and uh, talking about that. And I don't want to get back into it, but I, I couldn't help but notice that Joe El Baboso Biden, you know, he kind of pulled a bunch of pages out of the populist playbook and and just basically said, look, we're not fighting these forever wars. We're not doing that. That's the damn Republicans that do that. You know, and he didn't say that. I'm just, you know, I'm paraphrasing because that's the message, right? And that's what people are sending me screenshots of Trump saying, oh, we had to get out of this and get out. I'm like, great. I agree. I, I, I agree. I'm not a huge hawk. I'm hawkish, though. You know, people are like, oh, I never liked John Bolton. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Before everybody hated him. Uh, I actually did. I, I did appreciate his aggressive stance on a lot of things. So, yeah, be warned. I'm a little bit of a, of a hawkish, uh, not really a neocon. I'm kind of an oldocon. But anyway, uh, I want to get into this topic of crime pays. And, and really, it's a, a great topic, I think. There's a few stories I want to share that I just think intermingle one with the other. But I just think it's remarkable. Uh, just one last thing on Biden. Please indulge me. I, I think this thing with Biden, he just has this way of being affable. There's there's a segment of the population that actually likes Biden. And that's the part where I go wrong. I see everything that's wrong with Biden and I try I want desperately to see him win because if he wins we win, right? It's America that wins. I desperately want to see him give a speech and say, "You know what? We've got the highest level. We we crush Trump's numbers." People are making money like crazy. You know why? Because I'll know. Because I'll have to turn down advertisers because there won't be enough space to put them in. Because people will have so much money, they'll be spending at their disposable income. They'll say, oh my gosh, I'm buying everything I can. And when people have money, advertisers advertise like crazy, right? And, 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 and things would be so wonderful. But none of that's happening. We all know that there's a huge problem at the border. It's a crisis, a crisis of infirmity. That's happening. That didn't happen under Trump. That's happening now. We all know on Trump's last day in office, at least I do, I looked, $1.72 a gallon. I drive a big truck. So we only, I have to drive a Tesla now because Biden's the president? No, how about just keeping gas prices low? How about just having decent policy decisions so that we don't have to live that life? What about inflation? I mean, everything. I'm about to order some food, Chinese food. Oh, my gosh. Is that, a, is that racist? I don't know if I could say Chinese food. Um, but um, the uh, the variant, the uh, Asian variant, the Delta food, whatever it is, we um, we're just in such a not great place, and people seem to think this is terrific. We're doing fantastic. We're shutting down cities. We're excommunicating citizens in the name of COVID. All this stuff is happening right now, and everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, we're doing great, man." Freaking Biden's the man. He took off to Camp David for a little vacation for the weekend. A whole country got destroyed. That we were there to protect. <laughs> well, I was given a date. I'm going with the date. That's basically I got hairy legs. He's so full of crap. I just don't see the good in him. But you know what? You know I like Spanish food. I went to get uh, a little something to eat earlier before the show. And I was at the Cuban spot. And I'm talking to the guy. And he's and he's like, yeah, but yeah, really just being an apologist. Because A, I understand he hates Trump, the guy. But B, just really being an apologist, you know, just, you know, politicians are criminals and blah, blah, blah. And And I'm thinking, you know, there's so many people out there that are just going to keep giving Biden a pass. They're just going to keep giving him a pass. And they're they're just never going to accept what I see. And I get that. And that's why I know we've got to do better and we need more people and we got to be more effective with our strategy, effective in our, our messaging. And I want to talk about crime, speaking of criminals, right? Because that's what this segment's about. It's about crime. And it's about crime paying. 
listen to this, New York City to roll out a pioneering anti-violence program. They're going to pay the criminals to not commit crime. Wow. If there's a Republican involved in this, I will eat my words. But I got to tell you, this sounds like it's got Democrat written all over it because this is how they think. You know, we use tax dollars to fix this problem that we could fix otherwise. Anyway, this is in a uh, publication called The Trace that is uh, anti-American as it comes, right? They they exist to investigate gun violence in America. So they're going to tout this as a good idea, right? This is a leftist rag, at least from what I can tell. If it's not a leftist rag, I'll take that back. But, you know, at first glance, leftist rag. All right, let's go. What to do, what to know. New from the trace, New York to spend $1 million in pilot to advance peace, a violence prevention program that uses financial incentives. Wow. The city will launch in a precinct in each borough a pair of fellows or young people deemed at risk for being involved in gun crime with formerly incarcerated mentors. Other cities have implemented advanced peace pay fellowships and offered a stipend of roughly $1,000 per month. Sounds like universal basic income, but they're going to call it now crime pays. At least that's what I'm calling it. As well as bonuses for meeting agreed upon goals like getting a driver's license or passing the GED. Mentors will begin training this month and fellows will enroll in the program later this fall. The pilot is being administered by the Mayor's Office of Criminal Justice which oversees a myriad of anti-violence programs that have grown in response to a surge in gun violence. It's unbelievable. They still haven't figured out it's not the damn guns that are violent. It's these damn people they want to pay. Oh, wow. I can't believe it. Anyway, I believe it. I'm just frustrated. I see advanced peace as an opportunity to put our money where our mouth is, investing in people who've been disinvested in for generations, said Kay Bain, the executive director of Violence Prevention Nonprofit, who's also coordinating advanced peace with City Hall. All right. Well, hold on, Mr. or Ma'am, whoever you are, Mr. Ma'am K. Bain. He, she, it, one. All right. Those are your pronouns. The investment. How do, how dare you invest the tax dollars of those of us that work in New York, pay tax in New York? How, how do you invest? Where is the return on the investment? And since when do we look to the government to make investments? I thought this was something we did on Wall Street. I mean, this whole thing is so warped. Anyway, Champ Barton has more on the program and it's challenging rollout in a different article, blah, 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 blah. All right, so that's that article. Wow, and there's more. I just don't want to read it anymore because it's, like I said, I've had enough of that. But it doesn't surprise me that they're trying this, but, but it frustrates me. That they want to now pay. Hey, listen, do me a favor. If you maybe get a job, right? I'll give you money to get a job. It's called a paycheck, right? Ronald Reagan, oh, the great Ronaldus Magnus. He said the best anti-poverty program is a job. He wasn't kidding. So now instead of creating economic opportunities to say, hey, look, we're going to bring, I don't know, whatever, my pillow. We're going to put a my pillow factory right here in whatever urban area you, you want to where you're suffering with this gun violence, uh, like you like to call it. And we're going to offer everybody a job. Everybody here is going to make a thousand bucks a week. Forget a month from the government. Make a thousand bucks a week, show up to work and, you know, you make 50 grand a year. Let's just say that's a possibility. 40 grand a year, 35, whatever the number is. And you let people earn and and move up. And I mean, doesn't it sound more appealing 
to let people earn their money as opposed to paying them to not commit crimes or to go to school? I mean, this is just bizarre to me. And it makes me wonder, why isn't anybody paying me? (laughs) Right? I go to work as often as I can. Not always easy getting radio work. I got to tell you the truth, right? You know, I, I'm doing I'm doing a gig in in Washington. I'm doing uh, uh for the last few weeks. I've been doing live ten in the morning to twelve noon. WPHT. Uh, you know, I spent most of last year doing WLIR, which is part of WABC. I, I take it as it comes. People don't get it. The radio life, you know, unless you're like uh, Sean or Mark, you're kind of like a comedian, right? You're like rolling around in your van, city to city, stage to stage. Sometimes you get booed, sometimes you don't. I'm kidding. But, I mean, it has its similarities to that starting artist stuff, at least in the beginning stages, in the first years. And and my point is, but you put in the grind, you put in the hustle, and you do what you got to do. In Miami, I'm coming your way. If you're listening, I'm coming out there real soon. Anyway, I'm just I'm just floored that, that this is happening, and I want your reaction on that. Let me know on um, social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez, and make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast. Have a few friends subscribe as well. Because that's the only way we get this message out. Now, my buddy Greg Jarrett, you've seen him on Hannity. He's a legal analyst. I had him on the show a while back, and we talked about how so much of what happened to Trump was horrible, but it likely would never lead to charges of treason against uh, Jim Comey and others. And and he was spot on with his analysis. And this is an article that he wrote about what's going on with how they're allowing high school graduates to proceed. Now listen to this. No reading, no writing, no problem. Democrat governor secretly signs bill allowing graduates to lack proficiency. Oregon's far left Democrat governor, Kate Brown, quietly signed a bill into law that will stunt the features and futures of high school graduates. So not only do they not learn as a feature, but they'll have no future because they don't know how to read, or at least at grade level. Additionally, not only did Brown secretly sign the bill, she now refuses to talk about it. The bill allows high schoolers to graduate without proving they can read, write, or do math. And she told nobody about it. And that's according to The Blaze. When pressed about her decision by the Oregonian, the newspaper, the governor refused to discuss her actions. Brown didn't have a standard signing ceremony, nor did she issue a press release. It was not made public until more than two weeks after she'd signed the bill into law. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Shame, shame, shame. The Oregonian reported that for a month after the assembly passed the bill, Brown refused to publicly state whether or not she would support it. Turns out she supported it and secretly signed it into law on July 14th. The legislative database was not updated until July 29th, saying, quote, a major deviation from the usual practice of updating the site on the day the governor signs the bill is what the Oregonian noted in regards to that happening two weeks after. No email notifications were even sent out when the website was updated. Legislative sources claimed it was due to a quote-unquote system malfunction. So now you have Oregon saying we don't need people to read and write. So what is this? Systemic stupidity, right? Systemic dumbification of people so that you don't know the difference between right and wrong. You don't know the difference between good and bad. This is the problem that we have and we've been having it forever and it seems like it's on steroids right now, right? So it's right back to whatever. So these guys are going to, if they graduate, they're going to get the graduation this way. Maybe she's thinking, hey, if I give them a diploma, whether they can read and write or not, whatever, um, then I don't have to pay them a thousand bucks a month to not shoot people, right? Maybe that's the logic behind this. I don't know. 
because it, it, this is a real problem. And I, I, I'm being facetious, but I'm being serious. Because when they go to commit crime, the individuals that are undereducated and not learning and, and not participating and hoping to make a thousand bucks a month or the government is hoping to pay them, Bill de Blasio, Bill El Bobo de Blasio, planning to pay them a thousand bucks a month so that they don't commit crime. If they did commit a crime, they might do it wrong. Well, what I mean by that is New York Post, August 12th. This is a good one. Bank robbery foiled when teller can't read the stick up note. Did she not know how to read? I don't know. Let's listen to this. A British man allegedly botched a bank robbery because of a handwritten stick-up note that was so sloppy the teller couldn't read it. This would-be robbery was part of a short-lived spree in East Sussex by a 67-year-old man named Alan Slattery. Wow, that was a tough one. That included a second failed stick-up and one successful theft of $3,300, according to the police. Slattery was sentenced to four years behind bars and two years of supervision. Blah, 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 blah. The retiree tried to rob the Nationwide Building Society on the morning of March 18th by slipping a note to the teller, but he hightailed it out of there with no cash when the teller couldn't make out the writing. (laughs) So it's true. It's true. And there's a picture of it. I will tweet this out so you can see it. It really... uh, your serum want stop what 90% uh, just hand desk the 10s and 20s think cheat the customers. That's what I see. <laughs> that is really funny. Wow. Anyway, this is, I guess, a real thing. We've got illiterate criminals and we want to prevent the illiterate criminals from committing illiterate crimes and gun violence. Of course, we have angry guns, very angry guns, very um, um, ill-tempered guns and we want all of them to do well so we should now start paying the guns maybe we should give universal basic income per gun that might do well for a lot of people if we can get that anyway keep it locked right there uh, because I want to get into this third topic and maybe I'll leave the third topic for the next edition because I wanted to talk about cartoons and these cartoons I wanted to talk about this one called Paw Patrol and you remember earlier this year they were trying to to you know, there were some groups that were going after Chase, the, the cute little puppy. These guys are all puppy first responders, and I was listening to NPR. I do that a lot, just to get angry sometimes. And I'm just going to give it a tease, and then we'll, we'll pick up on that when we come back for the next episode, because I think it needs a little bit of uh, its own due diligence. But it turns out I didn't know there was a bunch I didn't know. Right? I didn't know Paw Patrol was created in Canada by some very left wing people called the Spin Master Media Group. And their belief is that they use this to teach kids what they think they should know and feel about what's going on in the day-to-day. Now, I have news for you. When I was a kid and I watched Tom and Jerry, I did not ever get the sense, nor do I today, that the cartoon was used to teach me what they thought I should know and how I should feel. But that's what's happening right now. And all of this came sparked because I saw one of my kids over the weekend and um, my ex-wife is remarried, has a little boy. And she was telling me about him and how one of the cartoons he was watching. And she said, you know, the oddest thing came out on the cartoon. And it wasn't Paw Patrol. It's a different one. I forget. So that's, I'm going to get all the details. I'm going to bring you a story because I think it's an interesting one. But it, it basically it just continues to try to blend the lines between genders. And again, you, we have a word for that. It's called people. You want to talk about general things, you say people. These are human beings. Love your neighbor, right? But that's just not good enough. The left is always after us. Biden wants to hijack what Trump said 
about America first and about ending the 20 year war and this and that, you know, when meanwhile, Biden was there. Right. Let's never forget that. Biden spent eight years as vice president of the United States and the rest of his adult life in the United States Senate. He's never had a job. Please remember that. And he's never done a damn thing to end the 20 year war when he was there for nearly half of it as an elected official. So Joe El Baboso Biden, eh, you're wrong. Big fail. Thumbs down. Boo to you. And we're going to talk about cartoons on the next one because we have to stand for something. If we stand for nothing, we will fall for everything. And that's why and that's a quote from Hamilton. And that's why it reminds me of the, the quote from Sir Edmund Burke, which I leave with you always, which is the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. And, you know, that time is no longer. It's now time for us to freaking grab a wet blanket and throw it at the fire, right? Grab a bucket, toss it at the fire. Do what you got to do to put out the fire because they're torching down America ideologically. And only you can prevent America fires. How about that? All right. Hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez and this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.